All right, welcome back. Let's do the questions and answers since we're running a little late. What is the source of the military statistics mentioned in the religious liberty discussion? That's on the, and that comes from three whistleblower uh, military physicians who have, I don't know if you know in the military, but they've had electronic medical record systems all the way back to when I was in the military back in the 90s. And so they have this electronic database of all the uh, treatments they give and all the diagnoses and so forth. And three military physicians um, basically uh, gave whistleblower data uh, on the uh, numbers of, uh, of uh, miscarriages and infertility um, uh, increases that happened in the year after they mandated all these young, healthy young people get the, get the uh, COVID vaccine. Uh, just type in, in any search engine, um, um, COVID or military, infertility, whistleblower, or anything like that. There's article after article after article. After the uh, data came out, the, uh, the Pentagon uh, tried to um, obfuscate or claim that it was false. And how did they try to do that? It's very interesting. They don't dispute the numbers are what the numbers are in the year that, that the numbers came out which were, I think, uh, uh, 2020 to 2021, I think is what, for a 12-month period, uh, a 300% increase in miscarriages in young, healthy military females and 475% increase in infertility, okay, since, since the injections. They don't dispute those numbers are what they are. What they did is they went back to the database for the five years before, and they said those five years that they compared against um, were underreported and inaccurate. Again, the military database. And so well, they changed all those five years and added numbers to those claims. And so it now looks like they're on par. Well, you just skip those five years and go back to the five years before that, when they didn't, when the government didn't adjust the five-year number, and you'll find that, in fact, the year that still uh, uh, increased by five uh, by three hundred and four hundred percent. So the, the government's lying as as typical. But you can find that data. Just look it up online. If we know the Bible was rewritten and has a result as a result sounds imperialistic. I want to clarify? Was translated, not rewritten. Translated. Okay. So the Bible in translation uh, done by people who have an imperial law lens, and they will honestly take a word that can go one way or the other. For instance, in the New Testament, dikaio, dikaosune can be translated justice or righteousness. Same word. And if you have more of an authoritative view, you might translate that as justice, and and, and less authoritative you might translate it as righteousness. Okay, and we hear righteousness and justice differently. It's just a simple example. Okay, the Bible was uh, rewritten as a result. Sounds imperialistic. What about the possibility that some books were were or weren't included because the people choosing the books couldn't conform them to imperialistic view? Uh, I, I don't have any data that supports that that has happened. Most of us uh, in, uh, in the Protestant Christian world believe that the 66 books that we include in the scripture um, were included because the Holy Spirit oversaw the, not just the writing, but the preservation of those books and the ultimate their selection. Uh, if we are visiting in your area, may we attend your Bible study class? Absolutely. You can find the um, address uh, on our website, and we'd love to have you come join us. Where can I get one of the study guides you use every week? You can type in in any search engine, SDA Bible Study Guide, for the quarter that we're using. You can purchase a paper copy for about $2.99 on Amazon. But if you if you uh, scroll down, you'll find that the General Conference of the Adventist has a website where you can download the PDF at no charge. So you can get it for free. SDA um, Bible Study Guide.
We're starting a new one next week. Starting a new one next week on Genesis. I checked to see this morning. The new one on Genesis isn't up yet. It says it'll be up two weeks beforehand, so sometime during this next week it'll probably be available for you, or maybe just next weekend it comes available, because that'll be exactly two weeks. Please excuse my ignorance, but could you help me find where it says that King Solomon sacrificed his children to Moloch, or is that assumption due to the altar built for his wife? So the Bible doesn't explicitly state he sacrificed his child. It describes that he um, did all the abom- did abominations that were detestable to the Lord, and the kingdom was taken away from him. And it describes that he worshipped uh, with his wives, with Ashtoreth and Molech and these others. And those, and those um, Molech worship required child sacrifice. So people uh, read into it. I am not an expert on the epigrapha and the pseudepigrapha. Uh, might be that those documents um, say something explicitly, but it's not stated explicitly in Scripture. Are the last six commandments truly a jurisdiction of state legality? Why? The, why? The background to the question is the abortion issue, something I seem to understand you refrain from publicly commenting about. Nevertheless, I am currently dealing with it and would appreciate your help, if not specific to. Uh, I'm not even sure what the question means about the last six truly a jurisdiction of the state legality. I'm not even sure what that even means. Um, the, The Ten Commandments were not given to a government of like Rome to make a state legislative system upon. But most governments use these same principles to make many of their laws against not stealing and not murder. And um, But they, I don't think any uh, government has a law that thou shalt not covet. Uh, and if you get caught coveting, uh, but they're getting close to it with the thought police. You're not allowed to think and speak in certain ways anymore, so they're getting close to it. But that maybe they're trying to do the uh, that bear false witness with the speaking aspect. I don't know. So I, I don't I don't really see a, a direct connection between what states do and the ten specific listed there. These are my understanding. God's um, codification of the diagnostic instrument to bring home to your heart where selfishness is intruding over love and where you're not acting in love. And ultimately, the 10th commandment is the key because it's not about behavior, it's about what's in the heart, coveting. Uh, Blessed Sabbath, Tim, your wonderful and your wonderful ministry. Uh, it is abundantly clear to me that we are living in a time where the King of the North is uh, King of the South is ruling this world. How soon do you think the King of the North will be coming to dismantle the King of the South? Thank you. May the Holy Spirit continue to bless and lead you. King of the South again is leftism, liberalism, evolutionism, communism. King of the North is religious imperialism. I see the uh, the things manifesting now. My blog, Prepare the King of the North is coming. I outline the early telltale signs. I think this next election this fall is going to be empowering forces the king of the north, and I think it's going to uh, start a cascade fall. Uh, I think um, that African Americans are going to wake up from how they have been scammed by the, uh, by the um, because African Americans tend to be more um, still religious in many ways uh, than, than uh, white America is, and when they wake up and realize how they have been scammed and they've been exploited by leftism and liberalism, I think there's going to be a, a backlash coming, and they're going to shift uh, like they did, I don't know if you know, black Americans voted predominantly Republican up until about 1940s. And then they shifted and started voting for Roosevelt and the Democrats, and they've stayed voting for the, that. But I think there's about to be a shift back where the people of, uh, that are more, have more conservative Christian values are going to shift and, 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 and really start voting for King of the North family values and the principles that you see. You see evidences of this, what happened in San Francisco, Virginia, Pennsylvania, and other things. And I think it's going to be... Um, I think I think that's I think it's about to happen. Whether or not you believe man created the weather, 
do you think Christians saying things like God is angry with us or God is trying to tell us something, et cetera, et cetera, after floods, tornadoes, hurricanes. Uh, so they blame the recent tornadoes in Kentucky or floods on God and tell people that he sent them because he's mad at us. So um, th- there's two different ideas being um, expressed here. One, God is trying to tell us something. God permits events to occur that are designed to wake us up from our slumber and ask what's happening. He permits them, not causes them. The wind, four winds loosen, loosen, okay, a little bit. And then ultimately we'll let go uh, when, when probation closes. But uh, that's different than God causing or God is the one who's sending to punish. Those, those, are, not, those are not the same thing. And so we, we want to have a distinction in how we express this. Uh, God gives people freedom. As people harden the heart, his protective hand is withdrawn. As protective hand is withdrawn, then things become more chaotic and destructive, whether it's human nature or nature itself. And this is what we're seeing happening in the world. And God permits this to happen to wake us up to try and tell us something. I think that's fair. But it's not the same thing as saying, uh, you, you guys did sin over here, so God is using his power to make these things happen to punish you. That would be a misrepresentation. Uh, good morning, Dr. Jennings. I hope it blesses. I uh, hope it blesses you to know that I share a lot of the wisdom I've gained with uh, from you, from your teachings with counseling clients and psychiatric patients. In group therapy, I regularly discuss the law of love and how love might be violated in patients' life. Perhaps even the very reason they are admitted to the hospital. One infection to the cycle of love I present is pride. Would you please suggest ways I can uh, help people recognize and move away from pride? Well, you know, that's the one sin that um, in the steps of Christ is listed as the one that is most offensive to God. It's most offensive. Not the alcoholic, not the drug addict, not the prostitute. Pride. Because pride feels no need. Pride is self-sufficient. Any sin that you feel convicted for and you are unhappy with yourself over, like an addiction, then there's hope. Because you feel that you need something better. But pride feels no need. And so the first thing you have to do dealing with people in pride, if you have to somehow, in their world, and I can't give you a cookie cutter, you have to, uh, the general principle is, you have to introduce some type of cognitive dissonance. You have to introduce something in their real world that makes them dissatisfied. Typically, it would be questions along the lines of, well, why are you here? If things are going so well for you, and typically, though, the people with pride, it will always be somebody else's fault. Well, I'm here because they... Uh, it, I'm not here because I was doing illegal drugs. I was here because they had an illegal search of my car when I didn't have my um, registration renewed. And they stopped me from my registration, and then they searched my car, and they didn't have a right to search me. It wasn't the fact I actually had $2 million of cocaine in the trunk. That's not the reason I'm here. Okay, It's never their fault. So uh, until they're willing to actually take ownership, uh, you, can, you can just you confront with truth and evidence. But typically, my, the patients I deal with, narcissists, people that are really um, self-centered, they always externalize and devalue and blame. And the best thing to do is get out of their way and let them end up with the pigs eating the pig's lot. And that's rock bottom, as the, as the uh, addicts will tell you. And that's when they can be reached. But they have to come to a point that they know something's wrong and they want to change. Uh, Happy Sabbath, do you agree uh, that Putin, Russia, is the king of the north and Biden, the U.S., is king of the south? No. Uh, I don't think those individuals are king of the north, king of the south. I think these, that uh, Putin, Putin very well may align himself 
with the principles of the king of the north because he sees him. Continue on the quote, on with the question. Putin last week mentioned in a speech that this is a war to bring morality to the world that the Christian countries, Western world, does not follow and consider anymore. That's, that's true. I think he sees himself as a bastion or a, a beacon of, of um, Russian orthodoxy, um, Russian not just political orthodoxy, Russian church orthodoxy, and he would be very much anti-LGBTQ, uh, transgender, and all this type stuff. And so he would align himself with the King of the North. He himself is not the King of the North. The King of the North, in my view, is not an individual. It is philosophical um, movements and and worldviews that all of us could align with if we chose. Uh, is it possible that the Pope can be the peacemaker and elevate him to the statue of Savior in this self-destruction meaning the Pope identifies and becomes the King of the North? Uh, I think the Pope will align with the King of the North. I think there's going to be a very strong... Uh, currently, the Pope we have in there actually aligns with King of the South, believe it or not. Yep. He is very leftist and very liberal, and, and he is hated by many people inside the Catholic system. And as typically happens with these types of things, this particular Pope is probably going to get moved out in some form or fashion, there, uh, whether he dies um, or whether he retires like the last one did, okay? Um, uh, and a very strong, conservative, uh, right-wing um, pope is probably going to come in, and he will be a very loud voice um, for the formation of the uh, King of the North, um, but he will not control the powers of the state um, uh, I've got a document that I've been working on. We've sent it out for editing, and it'll be coming out soon about the beasts of Revelation. And I will tell you, there's some really nice surprises in my analysis of uh, uh, Revelation 13 and, and 17 that I think you'll enjoy. Um, but the traditional Adventist view that... I'll just give you some teasers. The traditional Adventist view that the first beast of Revelation with the seven heads and ten horns is the, is the, is the Roman church um, because one of the heads was wounded and the wound was healed. I want you to think that through. How many heads are on the beast? Seven heads. How many and ten horns? How many heads were wounded? One. One head, and that head is the Roman Church. Okay. If if the one head is the Roman Church, what are the other six heads? Mm-hmm. And the church is the other religions, the other denominations. Getting very close. Yes, I think that if you understand the heads, all had blasphemy written on them. The heads, read Revelation, go back and read Revelation 13, seven heads with blasphemy written on the heads. Okay? All seven heads have blasphemy, not just the one that was wounded. These are the seven false religious systems of the world. This is a conglomerate beast that presents itself in different regions and different times in, in space and in, in, in history, uh, and, uh, working against um, God and God's people. And the seven heads will control the ten horns, and the ten horns are the various powers used by the earthly systems, to obstruct God's purposes. And uh, this beast manifests in the Dark Ages with the Roman head obstructing. And this is why we focus there, because the focus of Scripture is always on the plan of salvation. And that's why this particular manifestation of the beast was focused on in Revelation, because that's where Satan was working to oppose the gospel, where it was going forward. But another false head would be Islam. Islam is a false religion and a false head. That head is, is dominant in Saudi Arabia, in Iraq, in Afghanistan, and it directs the same ten horns there to oppose Christianity there, and so forth and so on. Anyway, um, I think that the, uh, I don't think that the, the Pope is going to come back into power, nor is the world going to wonder after the papacy. The, po- the world will wonder after the beast, which is a system of false religion that coerces with ten powers. And that system is going to become a global system, ultimately with Satan as the head. But I won't tell you anymore. 
you know, wait till it comes out. So the other seven, the other nations. The seven, the other heads are seven false religious systems. Okay, so basically, it's the idea of them all coexisting. They, they all they all coexist now, and they all oppose they all oppose Christ now. Uh, do we have Eastern mysticism existing right now? Does Eastern mysticism support Christians or oppose them in Christianity? We have paganism, godlessness, evolutionism. We have seven different false systems, and they all and they all have different aspects of this history of the human planet and t- time and places where they are in power. The beast of Revelation thirteen is a regional power, not a global power. The first beast of Revelation thirteen is a regional power. The papacy has never controlled the world, and it never will. Many Adventists don't understand that because they identify that beast as exclusively the papacy. And they don't understand that the healing of the wound is simply restoring the papacy to its ability to um, deceive and to direct the authority that it has. But it's never going to have authority over the whole world, in my understanding. But wait till the document comes out. Uh, it says, uh, when the Old Testament says that only Noah and his family were saved from the flood, uh, does that actually mean that only eight people were saved? Yes. That's what that means. From the flood. Yes. It says, the written record does not account for all the other races of the people of the world, so could some other races have survived in some other way? Uh, My understanding, no. It was a global flood. Every human being, other than the eight on the ark, were killed. What is the source of so many races of humans? As a child, I was told that people adapt to their environment, but I have black friends who have lived for several generations in Chicago, and their descendants are still black. And there are white families who live in Central Africa, and they still remain white. Okay, My understanding would be the Tower of Babel. Okay, At the Tower of Babel, God not only confused the languages, he created the different races at that point in time by some very minor uh, epigenetic, or uh, I think they're epigenetic changes. And or genetic changes. Do you think he actually rewrote their coding, or it was environmental pressures? And then I don't have an answer to that question, but it was at the Tower of Babel. Yeah, that's where you. It, and you can speculate it either way. Yep. God confused the languages. That was an intervention by God. They separated and went different ways. And then did they just evolve over the course of time with these different traits, or did God actually genetically make them? I think I, I think you can make the case that He made them different because He purposely interfered. If you understand the great controversy and what was happening, Satan uh, right after the fall began to work to efface the image of God in man and to uh, cause a global rebellion where the entire human species alienates itself from God. Uh, God intervened with that, uh, put the whole world to, to, to sleep except for Noah and his family, and then God intervened right after when they started rebelling again to interfere with the ability of the human race to come together as a global species. Okay? And to slow down the rebellion and alienation as, as an entire planet against him. And so this was an act of therapeutic love. So I think the species and the languages came at the time of Babel as an act of mercy and grace on God's part. You mean races, not race. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, thank you. Race, race. The different races of, but there's really only one. It's human race. So, okay, whether we're talking Caucasian, Asian, or or uh, African. Okay, um, you saw you cited a letter, um, a manuscript, volume twelve, eighteen ninety seven. Give us the page number. It's actually paragraph thirteen is where I started. The it's just one one letter. Paragraph thirteen is where I started. And we have some friends that talk about one God, the Father, Son, Jesus, the Begotten, and God's Spirit. What are possible scenarios if we ask what law lens we are looking through? I'm not sure I understand the question. What are possible scenarios? Anybody understand what that, they're asking me? 
The Trinity. Oh, if they're asking about the Trinity, please go to our uh, our website, which you're already on, up at the search engine, type in Trinity. I've written a couple blogs on this. Read those blogs on the Trinity. I think that may give you the information you're looking for. Um, and then why no latrines in heaven? <laughs> yeah, well, that wasn't going to slip by, was it? <laughs> why no latrines in heaven? There'll be no waste. Yeah, because there'll be no waste. See, she gets that. There'll be no waste. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I, my personal view is, and, and of course, I, I'm not dogmatic. It's all speculation, and I can be proven wrong. But I think we're going to have perfect energy transfer. When you eat off the tree of life or the, any of the trees in the garden that God has for us, when you eat, it's perfect energy transfer. There will be no waste. So there will be no bodily waste. And so I, I don't think that Adam and Eve had that issue in the garden either. So I know some of you are very, very thankful right now. Okay. Gracious Father in heaven, thank you for your love and for your mercy. And we pray that uh, your Holy Spirit will continue to lighten our minds and let us lead, um, lead, lead, follow where you're leading and take this message to the world. Open avenues for it to go forward. We, we want to see you coming soon. And we know things are going to get worse when we, when we keep our focus on you and realize that your hand is over us. We pray in your holy name. Amen.